From the National Association of Evangelicals, welcome to today's conversation. Our topic, Matching Up Pastors and Churches. Host Leith Anderson, NAE President, talks with Rob Lauer, President of Agora Search Group. Today's conversation is brought to you by the University of Northwestern St. Paul, equipping Christ-centered learners and leaders to invest in others and impact the world. Northwestern offers 70 undergraduate and six graduate degree programs, and its radio ministry reaches more than one million listeners in the Midwest. More at unwsp.edu. And now, let's join in. I'm Lee Anderson, president of the NAE, here today with Rob Lauer. Rob has over 20 years of experience placing pastors and ministry executives in churches, nonprofits, and in higher education. He's worked with small and large churches across the country, as well as lots of organizations like Compassion International, Navigators, Denver Seminary, Gordon College. He founded uh, Agra Search Group in 2000 and serves as its president. He's also a board member of Denver Seminary, Sunscape Retreats, and Peregrine International Ministries. So welcome, Rob, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Leith. It is truly a pleasure to be a part of this podcast. So, Rob, I have regularly received requests from church leaders asking how to find the next pastor, as well as um, often from pastors who are looking for a new call. But this is what you do, so I'm uh, looking forward to hearing all about this and what you've learned. But before we get into all of that, uh, how did you ever get into the pastor headhunting business? Willie, thanks for asking. It was, uh, you know, it's interesting. I started my career as a college basketball coach before God called me into pastoral ministry. My dream and goal was to win the national championship and do the Fellowship of Christian Athletes tour, telling everyone how God and I won the national championship. But uh, God had a different plan. He called me into pastoral ministry in the midst of my college career. And um, so I was a youth pastor for seven years. And then I became one of the alarming number of pastors who leave pastoral ministry before the age of retirement. Uh, Leith, as you know, 1,500 pastors leave pastoral ministry on a monthly basis. And, um, and so I was hired by a high-tech company in the Silicon Valley as a recruiter. And I recruited there for three years and then went to another high-tech company and recruited. And uh, then I felt God calling me into starting Agora, Consult uh, Agora Search Group. And um, so 16 years ago, I started Agora Search Group. And then five years ago, we, uh, we just I just sensed God's calling into helping pastors and sensed that God wanted to take the years of experience I had as a, as a pastor's kid and as a, as a pastor myself and to leverage the, at that time 15 plus years of recruiting and uh, use it to come alongside of churches and pastors in the recruiting process. And interestingly enough, when I went into it, I didn't know of the other search firms that were doing pastoral search. I thought I was going to be the only one. But uh, so God clearly led, put it on my heart, and then I was called by a church out of the blue. Uh, it happened to be a church that I had served at as their youth pastor, and they asked if I knew any search firms that uh, worked with churches. And I said, um, you know, I just, since God's calling me to do it, I would love the opportunity to serve you. 
and I was given that opportunity and a week later picked up another search for another church and um, that's how the Lord opened those doors and we've not looked back since. Wow, those are amazing qualifications. So just uh, I've just got a lot of questions here. So what, what does all this look like? I mean, how does the whole process work? And like, does a church board hire you and then you just take over? Or do you work with other church leaders through the whole search? What's the process? So Lisa, it really depends on the role. If we're recruiting for a staff role, we will typically, for example, if we're working uh, on an executive pastor search, we typically work with the senior pastor and maybe one other staff member as, as part of a search team. Um, and yet if it's a senior pastor, we are oftentimes retained by the board and we will either work with the board as the search team or they have a search committee or a pastoral nominating committee and we partner with them in the process. And, um, and so it, it just depends on the role. And, um, and so our process is broken down into four different phases. And so we'll, regardless, irregardless of the, the role, we, we have a define stage in which we help them define the, the role, the person that they're looking for, and we use surveys and, and other resources to, to help them uh, define and, and put that together. Then we have the discover phase in which we are uh, really pursuing candidates and then the discern phase, which is the third phase of the process, is which we are discerning God's person for this role. And then it's finally the decide phase in which we come alongside of the church in helping them make the decision, which is their decision for uh, the, the man that, uh, or woman that God is calling uh, into that role. Uh, you reminded me of something that I was sort of laughing in the background. There, there have been times when I've met with boards and search committees and I said, you need to go through the process and you need to do all these things. Don't start with a name. Just You're a long way off from that. So does everybody understand that? Does everybody agree to it? And then after I finish, somebody says, well, you know, last summer I was at a church with my cousin and I met this person who would be, and they go right to a name. So how do you keep yeah. people on track on that process? They just want to jump over it all. Yeah, they they really do. They really do, and it's it's uh, it's it's one of the reasons why they they fail in a search is they get focused on an individual, and and they they don't they don't put the foundation of a search together, which is uh, building a process. You know, one of the principles that we have is prayer over process, but do process well. It's it's important that people map out the process and 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 then follow that map, and uh, it'll, it'll keep them disciplined and systematic in, in their approach. So it sounds like you use pretty much the same process with every church, is that right? You know what, I would say that the primary <clears throat> process is put together and, and we utilize that, but we tell churches for, at, with every search that we want to know what's best practices for them and, and we want to learn from them. You know, our best practices are a result of the numerous searches that we've done. And so we want to learn something from every church that we do a search from. 
and 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 so we say you know what is it that you have in mind this is the way that we approach a search but how is it that we can best serve you and what what is it within your process that you would like to see us integrate and or what parts of our process are you maybe not as comfortable with that you would like us to approach differently there's some old folk wisdom that says that churches tend to get the opposite of the previous pastor. So the previous pastor was an introvert, they get an extrovert. If the previous pastor was a great preacher, they get a great administrator. So you can bring something as an outsider. How do you figure out what that church actually is about? And and how do you get around what they've already made up their minds about? Because they may not know themselves very well or know their needs very well. And then you've got to help them figure that out, right? Right. It it reminds me, and, and you're right, what happens is if uh, the church had a real strong leader, but the leader abused their leadership, uh, then then they start talking about, you know, how they don't want someone that's such a strong leader. And um, and, and I say, let's let's talk about godly leadership. What does godly leadership look at? And, and so we, we talk a lot about the heart. Uh, again, one of our, one of our principles is, our, our staffing principles is start with the heart. And this is, this is one of the most difficult areas for a church to operate. They want to talk about, they want to talk about preaching. They want to talk about theology. Um, but we say, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. David was flawed. He was broken, yet his heart set him apart and and so we start talking about heart characteristics and that if we have have the man or woman with with God's heart that the the, the leadership pieces that are attractive will will work for the church because they need leadership and and so you're right they the, the church will often go from to, from shepherd, the nurturing shepherd, to the strong teacher leader. And, and they do flip-flop back and forth. And so we just try to help them say, uh, identify, what is it that your church needs to flourish with, with the mission and vision you believe God is giving you? And then let's, let's put that model together. And as hard as it is, let's, take, let's try to set aside the hurts that you experienced from your previous pastor, because most times we we are brought in to hire pastors and, and partner with them after there's been a very difficult uh, previous pastor uh, leadership situation. Uh, we rarely get the retired pastor transitions, even though we're working with the Moody Church on on their transition. And uh, Pastor Lutz retired after 34 years. Um, and but so we say, let's set aside your past experience and, and let's put together a profile that really matches up with what you believe, who God is calling you to be in the future. The estimate of the number of churches in America is somewhere between 350,000 and 400,000. So obviously most of them are not using search firms. They're using uh, search committees that are based on uh, probably laity in the church, sometimes staff people. So if, if I'm talking to a search committee and I want to tell them these are the advantages of having an outside resource, a you or someone else, a search firm, why should they do that rather than just do it themselves? 
I, that's a great question. And, and what I tell churches is that they really no longer need to choose conducting the search independently versus utilizing a search firm. They can, they can really do both. I, I, I think back to the groundbreaking, the, the, the groundbreaking book of organizational success called Built to Last. The authors, uh, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras, they, they wrote of the importance of getting past the tyranny of the or and embracing the genius of the and. And I, I believe that the church that elects to use a search firm in partnership with a search committee exhibits the genius of the and. And, and so the, the advantages I think that they have is that if they, if they select the right firm, that firm's going to listen to who they are. They're going to get a, a sense of, of, of the, the history. We, we utilize a, a survey tool that helps us to get to know the church well, and we, we get to know what they want through the questions that we ask in the survey. And just as a, a side story, um, the, the chairman of the board of the Moody Church said that after we walked them through the process of this survey, they felt like they knew the Moody Church better after the survey than before they had taken and utilized that, that resource. And, and so we believe that we bring value of, of helping them know who they are and what they need as an outside influence. And so some of the benefits of a search firm uh, is that one, a search firm is typically going to have a wider reach and access to more candidates because of the database and the relationships that they have. A search firm can help them handle delicate negotiations and I've yet to work with a church where uh, the negotiations that uh, take place when bringing on their, their senior pastor aren't delicate and whereas we can help them understand that uh, things that are important to pastors like uh, Sabbath days and, and sabbaticals and different things like that, why they are important and why pastors are requesting these things. So we help in the negotiations. Um, I think we bring experience in determining qualifications and fit. We mitigate surprises. I talked to a church just yesterday that said they went through a process for six months that then they, they identified one final candidate that they were interested in, took them through the entire process, brought them out for a weekend, and at the very end when it came time to extend the offer, they said, the pastor said, I'm just not ready to make a move. And, and so we just mitigate surprises like that. We, we help churches meet people that will actually move forward in the process and accept the role if offered the position. And then I think just in, again, one more additional item is that uh, we bring a comprehensive assessment of candidates to the equation. Probably most of us who live in the church world know marvelous stories of great searches and selection of terrific pastors that have uh, honored God and blessed the people and reached the community, but also we know the stories of astonishing mismatches. And you know, afterwards, people seem to look back and say, "Well, you know, we should have seen that." So, what are some of the mistakes that churches, you know, most often make? You, you're absolutely right. 
that there are churches that make mistakes in the hiring process and, and no one sets out to make a mistake. But sadly, there are so many different people that are impacted by a bad hiring decision. It's one, it's the pastor themselves that are hurt. Um, they question, they oftentimes will question their call and question whether or not God is, is able to use them effectively. Then the, the spouse is impacted, the children are impacted, you have the constituency, the board, you have the church as a whole that's impacted, and then you have the surrounding community that's watching another pastor leave, and then a bad hire even affects the next pastor coming in and the, the weight of that bad hire can continue for years and years. And so uh, the, some of the principles that I see broken in, in a hiring process, um, you know, we've, we've identified what I call the 17.5 principles to navigate pastoral search. And, and so I'll share what I believe are, are the five principles that are often broken um, and as a result a bad hire uh, takes place. So the first one that we have is pray for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. We, we believe that prayer is the foundation of a successful search. It helps, it helps a search team and a, and a committee differentiate between the pretenders and the performers. The pretenders and performers sound the same so often. And so you're praying for wisdom and discernment on, on that, um, you know, we we believe that prayer as a foundation is is going to be the the, the guiding principle. And and oftentimes when we've talked with churches, they have confessed and said we're embarrassed, but you are reminding us to make prayer the foundation of the search. We started out that way, but we sure didn't end that way. So that's the first principle that I see broken. Then the next one is uh, we say don't rely on feelings. Um, people need to use their their heart and their head and rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and so feelings get in the way of making good decisions. Um, I can't tell you how often I heard, we just had a good feeling about them, but it just didn't work. And I referred to this one earlier in the podcast, but the third principle is that we say start with the heart and um, you are looking for someone with a godly heart. One, one of the things that we do when we meet with candidates for a half day, one-on-one -on -one, uh, in, in their setting, is we go over the seven deadly sins. And so we talk about uh, pride and narcissism. We believe that pride and narcissism has probably impacted more pastoral ministries than any one of the, the seven deadly sins. And and when you, when you talk about these questions with candidates around um, pride and narcissism and gluttony and greed and lust and anger, you really get to the heart of who these people are. And, and as, as men and women and as pastors and those who are called in the pastoral ministry. And so um, we find that when church search committee don't try to penetrate the heart of the candidate, they miss so much. And then another one is, uh, the next principle is, there's no substitute for spending time with candidates. And 
we find that search committees say, well, we spent quality time with him, but when I find out what the quality time is versus the quantity of time that they spent with them, um, it's, it's amazing. You're, you're asking someone to come and serve you for seven to 10 plus years, and yet you spent two to three hours in total with them getting to know who they are and and you didn't really even go deep because again you had a good feeling and you hadn't prayed through and you didn't get to the heart of who they are and then lastly there's a principle that that I have that says not every gifted pastor is a great fit for a godly church and so you talk about Leith 350 to 400,000 churches. There are over a million pastors in America. Um, but you, you need to recognize that just because they're a gifted pastor, it doesn't mean that they're a great fit for your godly church. And, and so we, we, we say you really need to spend time and, and you, get to, you need to get to know this person and you need to see them in multiple contexts and, and I really believe passionately about what we do and the value we bring to the process. And, and, and there's, there's questions that we ask. Uh, we even say we're asking the questions that even we're uncomfortable asking um, because we feel called to get to know the heart of, these, of, of the pastors. And so in combination, these are some of the principles that are broken that, uh, that when broken, a result in a bad hire. All right, talking about asking uncomfortable questions, let's talk about money a little bit here. And I'm not asking for a specific dollar estimate, but just give me an idea. How does how does this work? Um, so for you or for another search firm, is it like a percentage or one times a salary? Is there a cost to the pastor that's recruited? Uh, how does all that fit together? The standard fee for a pastoral search is a third of the pastor's salary. So the search firm will typically uh, invoice a church in three installments, three phases. Um, and uh, the first third of the fee would be due to start the search. And the second third is halfway through the search. And the final fee is once uh, pastor has agreed to a, a mutually agreeable start date. And so it's, it's typically a third of a pastor's annual salary. And then there would be expenses in addition, travel and things like that would be in addition to that, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what about pastors? Uh, so I, I, I really have no idea on this question of what the answer may be, but do you just talk to churches that are looking for pastors or can a pastor contact you and say, I'm looking for a church? We are primarily focused on the church. They, they retain us to go and find a pastor that is, who, who has the unique DNA to match up with, with them and, and, and their needs and requirements. But we, we do get a flow of, of calls from pastors who are looking for their next opportunity. And, and sadly, there are more pastors who are looking for opportunities than we can actually help. And so um, most often we're, we're asking them to 
send us their resume and we add them to our, our database and and yet um, it is you know there are times when I'm, I'm I'm just trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and 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 I believe that God says I want you to invest extra time with this pastor and and walk walk a journey with him through his process and sometimes that's a half hour sometimes it's an hour and a half it's two hours and sometimes it's numerous hours over several weeks and months but it's just again it's 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 a God thing and trying to be sensitive to who it is God puts in our path to, to help we can't help everyone or we're not able to help our churches but but at least what we do when when a pastor comes to us and, and needs help and, and we're able to do that I, I really help them focus on on being able to articulate what it is that they want to do it sounds very very simplistic but <clears throat> it's amazing how many pastors are unable to articulate specifically what it is that they want to do in pastoral ministry um, if you know the, the the more a pastor is hurting the more open they are to doing anything to be in pastoral ministry and so we say be very clear and specific so, so what if really, a, what if a pastor has been uh, fired does how did, what does that mean for for the process you know it, it would seem that that might mean a candidate is kind of eliminated from the process but then again you know, I spent most of my life in Minnesota, and I know a church that fired like five pastors in a row. I don't think it had anything to do with the pastors; it had everything to do with the church. Um, how does all that fit in? So, two things: one, when we are working with candidates, we we go job by job, and we we find out if somebody has been fired. And having been fired myself uh, from a ch church, um, I I I know that it isn't always the pastor's fault. Uh, there's always there's always some ownership that you need to take in regards to having been fired, but you we really have to ask deep questions and get a deep understanding as to why someone was fired. So as as candidates that we might present who have been fired, we need to to clearly know and understand the reasons behind it. And so what I would what I would say to the pastor who's been fired and is now looking for their next opportunity to write out clearly the story behind the church and and why they were fired what they learned as a result and 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 why they believe they are a good fit for another church opportunity but but I've, again, when I've asked the questions around why were you fired or tell me the story behind it, a lot of emotion comes in and, and a lot of convoluted facts uh, get woven into the story. And, and it's important that a pastor can, can speak matter-of-factly about the circumstances and everything involved. And the, the more clarity they have and the more they can do it succinctly, um, I believe the more likely they likelihood they have that that just becomes part of their story versus the central point of who they are as a candidate. So it doesn't have to be a deal breaker. Um, it it doesn't. But but you know, church beware of of candidates who have been fired. But. 
be aware also of the circumstances. Right. So it does not have to be a deal breaker. So you've done searches. Um, I won't ask your uh, success rate, but I will ask, have you done this where it hasn't worked? In, in the five plus years that we've been placing pastors, we have a 100% retention rate for the placements that we have made. And so every pastor that we have placed in, in the last five plus years, every pastor is still in the role of the church that we've placed them at. And so God has really blessed us. We, we spend so much time on the front end getting to know the church. Um, churches say they, they feel initially like we're getting to know them way too well, but then they take great, um, they have a great sense of, of relief knowing that we spend that same amount of time getting to know candidates. And it's, and it's why we're able to make the match that we are. We, we're not satisfied pre presenting candidates until we believe all the, the two or three candidates that we present to them, uh, that any one of those two or three could be the final candidate and we would feel very good about it and that we believe that God would and could use that person for a long, long time in that role. So Rob, I actually know a lot of search firms and a lot of people leading those search firms, but uh, really appreciate you. And um, this is not intended to be a commercial, but just out of curiosity, if there's a church that's looking for a pastor and they want help and they want to get in touch with you to talk about it, well, what's your phone number or website or how do they get in touch with you? They can call me directly at 719-219-0360 or send me an email at rob, R-O-B, at Agora Search Group, Agora, A-G-O-R-A, searchgroup.com. Let me throw in one last question, and that has to do with how you figure out whether someone can fit into a culture that may be different from the one from which they've come. So this comes out of a personal experience. Uh, I was born and raised in metropolitan New York City. So from where I was in northern New Jersey, within about 75 miles, probably it was close to one out of 10 of all the population of the United States. I became a pastor in Colorado in a town of 18,000 where a major industry was sugar beets. I didn't even know what a sugar beet was. <laughs> it seems to me that, a, that somebody doing a search would say, if you're from metropolitan New York, going to a farming community in Colorado is not a good idea. I was there 10 years. It was, it was amazing. It, it was just great. Um, multiple building programs and evangelism and discipleship. It was, you know, it was sort of a Camelot experience. But I'm not sure somebody would have predicted that. So how do you figure that out? And you know what, Leif? On paper, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and that's why I, I'll just point us back to that very first principle that we discussed, and that's praying for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. Um, there are, you know, we, what we, we pray for David-type candidates for all of our searches because David was the unlikely choice to be king. And you, you, you need to take worldly wisdom and discernment, but then you have to rely have more, more heavy. You, you need to lean more on the Holy Spirit for that direction. And so 
we have placed candidates where it didn't make sense on paper, yet it was very clear to the search committee. One of the things, again, one of the, the, the principles is that candidates are trusting your discernment in the process. They're trusting your discernment as a search committee. They're trusting our discernment because they start getting very, very excited about opportunities the deeper they go into the process. And, and so um, we are relying in, on, on each other as a search committee and a, and a, and a search firm, and we're, we're, we're praying and we're getting a sense of, Lord, is this who you are calling for this role? Using, again, the worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, Lee, says that that search in which you land in that small community from New York um, doesn't make sense. But it made sense. It made kingdom sense. And, um, and the Lord was orchestrating. And I get a sense that you had a clear sense of call. And this church had a clear sense of you being the one. And, um, and, and God brought that together. And, and God honored that. Um, so it's art and science, and it's the Holy Spirit. Our guest on today's conversation has been Rob Lauer, president of Agora Search Group, and I'm Leith Anderson. And on behalf of us all, very special thanks to Rob. The National Association of Evangelicals is where we use influence for good. Today's conversation is one of many ways we connect and represent evangelical Christians in the United States. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, please follow along on Twitter at NAEvangelicals or on our Facebook page for the National Association of Evangelicals. And sign up for our email list when you visit our website at nae.net.